0: Juh. Isn't that the words? That would be it, yeah. Turning Japanese. Of me of and turning, you.
1: Japanese turning Japanese.
0: <laughs> I really think so. Da, 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 dum, dum, dum. Yep. I Good didn't start. realize until uh when I pulled this song for like a bed music. Like this is from the 80s? Yes. I, I didn't know that. I played it a number of times while in college. Thank you. Yep. Oh, this was was this it, another it was, uh, band band party song? Uh, no, this was a uh, this was a DB song pulling on pulling shifts over at KSDB.
2: Oh, DB. I, I didn't know what you're talking about for a second.
0: You know, back then when it was known as DB92 as opposed to Wildcat 919. Oh, I didn't know there was a name for it. Prior mm-hmm. to the Cat
2: 919. Nine.
0: Yeah, we referred to it at that point as DB92. So,
2: when you had your shift, like is you're just playing 80s music?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, come on. We're talking. I no, guess that not, would be
2: the top hits at the time. But. Well,
0: yeah. You you know, Pearl Jam was breaking. Nirvana was breaking. So we had that. We had Sonic Youth. Yeah, it, back it was It was pure alternative.
2: Top 40 did have some rock and roll. Well, it was pure there.
0: alternative that is what we were doing on 92 at that point. Some new wave. Some of it. Mm hmm.
2: What well, is Hour 2 of the Game? Hour 2 means after work, and it is Friday. And it's been a while since we've had this gentleman on the show. Welcome in. Kellis Robinette of the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle but Kellis I'm not starting K-State here I'm going to talk a little uh, soccer because we learned not too long ago that Kansas City is going to be a host site for the 2026 World Cup my question is that could be a pretty expensive ticket how much are you willing to spend to go to the World Cup
3: talking for a game in kansas city or yeah kansas city in, uh, in kansas city uh it depends who the teams are but i mean you know 250 300 maybe uh maybe a little more if the matchup looks real good um just uh kind of feels like a once in a lifetime you know opportunity i know the u.s did host one other time uh while i was alive uh, which uh back when uh you know that they had it here and they created MLS to bring it in but uh, it'll be a while before they come back so I I, I would uh, throw caution to the wind there and spend a little bit um, I would spend more to go see the U.S. wherever they play though that's kind of my uh, that's mm. kind of my goal you, I, I save up you, enough money over the next four years I can watch the the Americans play someplace on our home soil you're helped
0: out if you do the uh, game in Kansas City though by the tax cut
3: <laughs> that, that's true what was it um, i saw
0: eight you know. percent difference in terms of in terms of price because they're going to cut the sales tax essentially on it
3: yeah well that's something and you know they're about to legalize gambling here in kansas yep. so maybe i'll just uh, win so much money on that um,
2: <laughs> well those losers in denver didn't get the world cup so you know you won't have to go to denver for a, uh, a world cup matchup with the u.s i mean, i wouldn't be surprised if they get selected in arlington uh, to play at Jones AT and oh which is totally doable, right? To go watch the U.S. play, but if if it is KC and I mean, you said it would depend on the teams. Like if it's Ghana and uh, who else? Like Japan. Like, would that interest you at all?
3: It would definitely interest me. I would be shelling out a thousand dollars to watch that game. But if we were talking about like you know, the classic Simpsons uh, episode or matchup where they decide who the best country in the world is between Portugal or Mexico. Yeah, I would I would shell out a pretty good amount of money to see that if that's in Kansas City. Yeah, if it's like Iran versus uh, yeah Ghana or something like that, uh, the price would have to come down a little bit. But I'd still be interested.
2: We're talking with Kelis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. All right, we can jump into K-State football now because you were at Derby High School yesterday for the announcement of uh, Dylan Edwards, number four. Uh, excuse me four star number two in the state of Kansas according to 24-7 sports that he's picking the cats and he had three hats in front of him with Oklahoma and Nebraska actually my first question about that is have you been to many of those that had to do with K-State?
3: I really haven't Um, that's the first time I've been to a full-blown ceremony where they had the hats and everything out on the the table and a packed gym and people yelling and, and hollering and um, it was kind of cool, actually. Um, the excitement that was in that gym after he committed to Kansas State—it um, it honestly felt like uh, I don't know, like I was watching a basketball game in that gym or something. There was—I I, I tell you one thing—I realized about going down there is if uh, my kids are ever good enough to, you know, commit to anything um, uh, when they get older, I would tell them to do it over the summer because there there were so many reporters at the, that thing. There were more people at that than most K-State football games. I, I kid you not, I couldn't believe how many reporters were uh, there to watch Dylan Edwards commit, but it it was pretty cool, and uh, I would say the reason I really haven't been to any of those is there haven't been too many uh, you know, opportunities over the years where Kansas State has been in on a local kid um, who had a bunch of offers like that. So it uh, kind of goes to show the job that Chris Kleiman and his staff have done, that they've put themselves in a position where they can not only compete for the the best players in the state now but they're starting to get them even when blue bloods like Oklahoma and Nebraska
2: yeah no doubt about it and we, we've heard it's been reported Joe Randall or uh, John Randall rather uh, running back uh, from here in Kansas he, he's not able to make his visit this weekend but there was a there's a running back in uh, in Florida I believe it's Davenport uh, Joe Jackson who's a three-star had already had some plans to go somewhere else but he's dropped those to come to Manhattan to make a visit I mean it feels like yeah, you're right. Some tide is turning that uh, more attention is now on K-State thanks to some Kansas kids deciding to stay home and certainly could become bigger than that. Another question about his um, commitment I wanted to ask, you mentioned there's a ton of reporters. I was watching a live feed thanks to Go Cat because uh, I couldn't be there. And it, I mean, the applause he got, it didn't sound anything of a giant ovation, but it, it felt pretty good. Was there a lot of just supporters there in general? Like overall, like how many people do you think were there?
3: maybe, you know, generously, I'd say 200. That's pretty good. That thing. So yeah, I mean, uh, he had pretty much the whole football team there, a lot of other Derby people, reporters, he had his whole family. Then you had some other curious folks like uh, Maze quarterback Avery Johnson stopping by to say hi. I saw Brian Butler there, who's a pretty big player in the uh, Wichita recruiting community. So um, there was a vast, uh, you know, a, a wide range of people down there. And um the, th- the thing I thought was funny was I-, I was glad I just went ahead and asked most of the questions I had for him right there during the actual press conference. And I was glad I did because uh, they had like a picture stand set up afterward where you could go get a picture taken with them. And <laughs> I mean, he was he was there taking photos, signing autographs, doing all kinds of stuff with people for another 30 minutes. Um, I mean, he-, he was a celebrity di- celebrity down there, no doubt about it.
2: I mean, I could definitely tell from the reaction. I mean, he wasn't charging like twenty bucks a shot, was he? With pictures?
3: <laughs> not, not that, uh, not, not that I saw. Uh, but there was definitely there were even some people there. Uh, they must, you know, they must live in Derby or whatever. But there were some people there who looked just like common fans in K State gear lined up to take pictures with them. So, um, pr- pretty cool deal that uh, you know people down there thought thought that much of him.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I did not want to get your uh, opinion as well. Just kind of get your idea. If you, if you look at the star ratings and you go from top to bottom, I mean, it truly just feels like a normal class with some a lot of three-star talent and in the, in the four-star with Dylan Edwards, but still could certainly come with a four-star. Uh, there's the uh, – I'm blanking on it. Oh, uh, J- oh, boy, I'm forgetting his name right now. But the, the four-star wide receiver out of Arizona that just visited – um Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, um, and of course, Avery Johnson might be coming very soon. But, I mean, do you think, like, does it feel to you that Kleiman not only is putting starting to put together his best class, but we're talking, I mean, you might be talking one of the best classes K State's ever seen potentially?
3: Um, well, I mean, compared to what we've witnessed over the last 10 years or so, um, I don't really. I can't think of a time where K-State has been by the national highway recruiting. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see where it ends up ranking comparatively, but uh, I would say they've got a shot. Um, The interesting thing about it is if you look now, you know, where they are in the 2023 composite rankings, they're still ninth in the big 12, Um, you know, they're in the fifties nationally. So you're you're not going to have a, you know, a generational recruiting class here. Like you would maybe see in Texas when they line with a bunch of five stars or something like that. But there's just a bunch of subtle differences that are happening that didn't happen in the past. I mean, in the last couple of years of Bill Snyder, um, it, the recruiting was so down that pretty much any recruit they went after, if they had a different Power 5 offer, um, they were taking that one. You know, it was just really hard for them to land anybody. Recruiting wasn't a priority. And you kind of saw that with the roster talent uh, in some of those last few Snyder teams. So now, to not only see them, you know, beating every single guy they've landed has other power five offers in some cases, a lot of other power five offers. In the case of Dylan Edwards, you got a guy who had offers from Oklahoma and Nebraska. If we get Avery Johnson, he's got all these offers too. These are just players that they've never gotten, you know, in the last decade. And they're also cleaning up in Kansas. This is a really good year to recruit in Kansas, they've got 15 legit division future division one players and they've already got what is it five or six of them um, and mean that, that's a big deal in the past they were getting like two or three and they were the players at the bottom of that list not at the top so i i, I you know even though you look at the rankings and you say boy they're still kind of you know where they always have been um there's a, there's a difference between you know Three star, the the lower rated three star guys and the highest rated three star guys, and they're getting the guys to the top of that list right now. So that's what's making the difference.
2: Yeah, it wasn't fair to me to ask, uh, you know, all time. I'm like having to go back to the 30s or something and try to figure that out. But you're right. I mean, the Kansas talent specifically is just already has been a huge success for Kleiman and and his and his coaching staff. I would argue that you know Dylan Edwards is probably their best uh, recruit they they've gotten so far. Um, with a short tenure here at K State. And not to mention the the success in Kansas has been very limited, not just in the climbing era, but you know, this is according to the you know rivals in 24 seven sports. I mean, Dylan Edwards is just the fourth top three player that K State has received and got a commitment from in the last 17 classes. So yeah, nice. the top, the top talent, in Kansas, that is where the shift is taking. Where they were, they used to be going all across the country, especially those Derby kids. Yeah, that, to me, that's where it feels like it's really changing.
3: Yeah, the, the narrative is beginning to change there. I feel like over the last five, ten years, there's kind of been this thought from the top high school talent in the state that if if you're good enough to leave and play somewhere a little bit big, bigger, you should probably do it and go prove yourself rather than stay home. Um, and that is a hard thing to break because, you know, we saw last year, like when Jaron Kinnock from, from Hayes gets offers from Alabama and Clemson. It's really hard for a school like Kansas State or KU to say, hey, you shouldn't go to those, uh, you know, nationally prestigious programs and come play for us. But Klein's starting to figure out a way to do that. Um, he, he's convincing kids that they can come to Kansas State, they can win, they have, can have good careers. And if they, get, if they get Dylan Edwards, if they get Avery Johnson, if they can pull in a really good, you know, stay home Kansas class for 2023, I think that'll really send a message moving forward that Kansas State is a, much more of an option than it has been recently for in state players.
2: In K State basketball, Jerome Tang now has 10 on the team. Got the. Uh, Abiyami Eziola. I almost forgot the name. A oh, wow. Abiyami <laughs> Eziola. Uh, I'm not going to ask player by player. I just want to get your idea of. Since it's been a while since we talked to you, just your overall feeling about the ten, the ten they have right now, how well you think they've been doing when it comes to the recruiting and adding players to the team.
3: Um, I'd probably say not bad. Um, to have ten players, that was kind of the minimum that Drum Tang uh, took aim for. To have that now, to be able to practice five on five, the group they have currently stays healthy. Um, they'd have a shot at posting a winning record next season, I think. They'd have a shot at improving on what uh, Bruce Weber's final team did. Um, the, the question is they're just, there's just really no proven talent on the team other than, you know, maybe Marquise Noel, who was a honorable mention on Big 12 player last year. Everybody else um, still hasn't proven themselves totally at the Division One level. Um, you know, I really like what I've seen from uh, Naquan Tomlin, but he's just a Juco guy. He hasn't played True. Uh, you know, a full season against these guys yet. So we'll, we'll see how they adjust. But I will say, um, on paper, you're probably looking at uh, a team that's going to struggle to uh, not finish last um, in the Big 12 next season. But seeing them up close, um, I will say they passed the eye test. Guys like uh, Gerald Colbert, former four-star guy um, who will play center for him next season. Really tall, really athletic. You know, they might have found a gym there. Same with Tomlin um really tall really athletic there's just a lot more length a lot more athleticism it seems like a lot more confidence in this group than we saw at any time under under bruce weber so uh you know maybe if they breathe breathe some swagger into these guys and they get off to a nice start um against a you know a, a somewhat easy non-conference schedule maybe they'll surprise them i i'm not saying that they uh, they can't have a good season um I would say uh you know if you want to be caut- cautiously optimistic about this group then uh, you can do so.
2: I am cautiously cautiously optimistic. I mean individually I have no idea how these how these guys are going to play as a team but like when it comes to Desi Sills and Abayami Eziola, you're you're kind of uh, holding back on thinking that they could be some leaders for this team.
3: Uh well I really like Sills um to get him especially as late as they did. I think that's a really good add. I think he could be um, you know, maybe not quite as good as Mark Smith was last year, but uh, in that neighborhood, I think you'd come in and, and average 12 and 5, something like that, and be a really good uh, backcourt player for them. Um, I'm intrigued by the guy they add, added today. I don't quite have the confidence to say his name like you did, um, <laughs> Bebe. Take me some time, just like uh, Daniel Imator Bebe. I finally got it, but I didn't want to say that for a while. Um, I am intrigued by him. I think he, they needed another five, they needed a rebounder and that's, that's what this guy is. Um, his advanced metrics on the, on the glass are incredible. So if he can come in and just even do that, just give him give him rebounding, give him an extra body in there inside. Um, and that's going to help a lot. So th- those two additions, uh, raise this, raise the floor quite a bit, I think, because, uh, before that you were looking at a team that, Oh, maybe in the advanced metrics, you know, with, with Ken Palm and, um, bart torvik were probably ranked around 100 nationally with these two guys i'd say they're probably more looking at like 75 maybe a little bit better so that gives them a much more of a puncher's chance next season
2: yeah without a doubt i mean without these last two they've they've added i mean you have super young as well a couple of uh, older guys being added but Kellos, that's all i got for you it was great to talk to you again i hope are you having a good summer what have you been up to with uh, the kids are you doing any coaching
3: uh yeah, I'm coaching my oldest son's baseball team. We've uh, had a rain out yesterday so we didn't get to play, but uh it's been it's been going good. The kids the kids are having fun and I'm about to take my, my sec my uh, second oldest to uh baseball practice. I'm not coaching him, but yeah, we're we're in baseball mode right now, I guess.
2: You haven't had to leave the bench to argue balls and strikes or anything?
3: <laughs> no. 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 Um No, i uh, i respect i respect the jobs the umpires in this town do too much for that. I I leave them alone. I'm kind of like you know in the in the NBA we're not really supposed to talk to the refs. That's like me. The decision is final. I'm good with whatever they say.
2: Well, I I gotta ask how how old is your oldest?
3: Uh, He'll be 11 tomorrow, actually.
2: Oh well, happy birthday to uh, Kellis. What's his name? Carson. Carson, happy birthday, Carson. All right, Kellis. Thank you so much. Good luck with baseball this year. We'll we'll talk to you soon.
3: All right, thanks for having me on, Mitch.
2: Yeah, thank you, Kellis. That's Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Another interview coming your way. This comes off of Trevor Hudgens, the former Manhattan High basketball player, being signed to a two-way contract with the Houston Rockets. His former high school coach, Benji George, is coming up next. (laughs) game continues i know what uh in a uh, injunction city for their freedom fest thing they're gonna have a, a zz top tribute band oh out there i think that'd be pretty cool to see i've seen zz top before but as a cover like you know i think it's a free show i mean that you can't i don't think you can beat that right like they got a rock cover band out there as well like that sounds like a pretty good time to me also Solid. boomtown of course Yep. Boomtown the day of, I mean, I've, I've gone there twice. The, last show, the show they did last year, like, the first time I went, I was like, all right, that was pretty cool. The show they did last year, I was like, oh, my God. Like, that was incredible. <laughs> that was a fantastic show. We know a guy. We do. Well, he also did, like, the intro for it. Right. Like, he did some voiceover stuff and... Some ladies and gentlemen by saliva kicked it off. I was like, "That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool." I need to get more into the daily festivities or like the day of festivities that they have, like all the all the things you can check out, like the car show or whatever. Like, I, I always miss those things.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what our plan is going to be day of this year. Uh, we're doing the celebration, the Seneca celebration uh, on the weekend.
2: Well, now I'm looking forward to hearing from uh, Benji George, Manhattan High boys basketball coach, his former player, Trevor Hudgens, who played four years at Northwest Missouri State, plus a redshirt year. Um, He is now with the Houston Rockets. He signed a two-way contract earlier today, and Benji George now joins us here on the game. And Coach, I know that for you, basketball never slows down, so I'm curious to know what you've been up to lately.
1: Yeah, so um, but month of June's busy because um, Kansas has open contact now uh, for June and then half of July. So we'll have we have we had our team camp, which was great, and then we've got a couple chances to play in a summer series in Topeka and then a big tournament in Kansas City. So um, it's pretty nonstop right now for us, and then in the month of July we slow down. So it's it's been a good month though so far.
2: Well, earlier today we heard some exciting news. One of your former players, a former Manhattan High boys basketball player, Trevor Hudgens, signed a two-way contract with the Houston Rockets, wasn't drafted, but after a successful season at Northwest Missouri State, his foot is in the door to play professional basketball in the NBA. Just your reaction to hearing that news about your former player?
1: Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, just thrilled for Trevor and and for his family. Um, It's it's just incredibly exciting news. You know for him and and to get the opportunity to do something like that, um you know it's a dream and and I'm sure for him a, a dream starting to come true and um, just you know just it's it's hard to describe what that would be like um, uh, but just obviously ecstatic for him
2: now, as being the head coach of Manhattan High basketball, you have adopted the role of being like the keeper of the records. This might be putting you on the spot. I don't know if you have the answer to it, but do you know if uh, Manhattan High has ever had uh, a basketball player sign an NBA contract?
1: Uh, I was actually just asked that uh, as well by the Mercury, and I, I feel terrible saying it, but I hadn't considered it. So um, I don't want to leave anybody out and say that he is. Uh, you know, some, some names that popped into my head were uh, obviously Jackie Carmichael, um, who I think did play for the Iowa Wolves at one point. Um, which I believe is with the Minnesota franchise, and then you know we've had some other great players that I just I don't know on. I feel bad that I don't know, but I don't know if guys like K T Turner or uh, or JT Marshall or Daryl Wilder or any of those guys um, ever actually did. Of course, it's a little bit different now with the two way contracts and the way they are. Um, but I just I really don't know. I obviously he's he's either the one or one of a very few. I want to
2: jump back to when you first became the head coach of Manhattan High because also the up and comer on that team was Trevor Hudgens. As you took over about midway through the season, I know Trevor, he was a freshman at the time, right? And he was starting to uh, earn some time on the floor. Like, what stood out to you about him as a freshman to earn that time?
1: Yeah, well, he's just always so smooth on the floor. He's one of those guys that you just, he was never sped up and you felt like he always controlled the game, which obviously as a point guard, Uh, you know, you want to do and um, just, just great feel. And, and I mean, I I think his skill set is going to translate so well um, for his next opportunity in the league. Um, You know, back then, what we, you know, the things we had to focus on with him was, was getting him to score more and take a game over, which, which he, you know, it took a while, but he got to by his senior year. Um, He was really looking to score. And then, you know, the other one is just his communication and, and just, you know, being that type of leadership presence. And, and he was good about getting there while he was a high school player, and, and obviously in college it really took off.
2: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, twice named D2 Player of the Year. He won three national championships with the Bearcats, and he was just an electric scorer. I mean, his three-point shooting was off the charts, sc- scored over 2,800 points. You mentioned how, you know, he had to grow as a scorer. Do you, do you remember, like, yo know, what what was about his shooting, what kind of adjustments did he have to make or did you teach him to make to become a better scorer?
1: Well, I think with his uh, you know natural point guard skills, I think he really wanted to be a distributor and, and keep his teammates involved and, and still does a great job of. Um, but but his, his, he was always a, a good shooter. He, you know, It just wasn't something he utilized probably enough early on, but eventually uh, got there. And honestly, the games he took over as a senior were the games where – um, he got a little bit ticked off, and I, and I, it kind of took that you know in the beginning uh, for him to get to, to get to the point of taking a game over, and and then I think as that as that confidence grew, um, then it it just became part of who he was, uh, you know, with with his incredible skills.
2: I remember his junior year. That's when I really started to cover Manhattan High basketball and just the, the the high school rank in general, the Centennial League, keeping up with that, and that's when he first won the the Centennial League Player of the Year. Is that when you, the the offers, the college attention, did that start to roll in at that time?
1: Actually, um, I mean, yeah, he started to get those accolades and, and the All-6A and Centennial League Player of the Year. He actually, with the college um, offers, it was actually everything kind of happened late. Um, it was actually after our last game of his senior year um, when uh, those decisions were, were being made and um, – it was a lot happening at the time with some, with coaches let go and other coaches retiring and, and Trevor really was left kind of without um, a spot. And it was a mystery. And and honestly, there was a time where I thought he was going to be a prep school guy. Um, But I think he's proof of, it doesn't matter the level as much as the fit. And I think the fit he found with the school and the coach and coach McCollum and Northwest was more important than anything. And, and I think that was, that was such a good fit for him and, and, Obviously, Coach McCollum was phenomenal for him, and I think that mattered more than the level he ended up at. And and um, you know, and, and obviously, obviously, things worked out from there. Um, but it, actually, everything with his college recruiting happened later than what you would expect.
2: I know you know K State and KU weren't a player. Did he ever talk about because of the attention coming so late, maybe trying to walk on somewhere?
1: Yeah, I mean, through that time period, late in his senior season, um, you know, all, I think everything was on the table. Um, you know, and, and I can't speak for the coaches and other programs of, of who was looking at him and, and, you know, what those conversations were, but, um, you know, I think he, he stayed patient, and I think he kept his options open. Um, you know, I can remember being contacted by some prep schools, and so I, I think I think he was staying patient with it, but but like I said, it, it was in you know, April and, and possibly even early May, his senior year, before those things really started.
2: Did he always just continue to impress you throughout his career at, at Northwest Missouri State? Because you saw him grow as a player, but right away at Northwest Missouri State, a freshman, he was just doing these incredible things.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I, it's a good lesson for, for uh, you know, I, our guys in our program and just really anybody taking on a great endeavor is just, you know, he had to be patient. I mean, he redshirted. I think people forget about that, and that's a word you don't ever hear anymore, right? But, uh, I mean, he redshirted behind a phenomenal point guard at Northwest in Justin Pitts, and, and I think that redshirt year was transformational for him uh, to go against a guy like Pitts every day and, and learn. And, and um, you know, I know we live in a day and age where everybody wants the immediate satisfaction and the immediate success, but... I think it speaks volumes for Trevor that he was willing to stay patient, grow and learn, and and put in the time, and and eventually had his chance. And and um, you know, and and the other thing was how loyal he stayed to that school and and to and to Coach McCollum. Um, I think that speaks volumes. I mean, there's a lot there in that story that um, I think we're, we're kind of losing uh, from the way things are right now. Um, and and I I you know I admire him as much for those kinds of things as as for what he's accomplished.
2: Speaking with Manhattan High Boys basketball coach Benji George here on the game. So as we start to wrap up here, I do want to get your thoughts on, you know, you guys kind of were up-and-comers when it comes to you as a head coach, him as a player at the same time. Um, If you could put it into words, you know, what did he do for you as a coach and maybe for Manhattan High as a basketball program and the culture that you have developed over the years? What do you think he's done for you guys?
1: Yeah, I just – I mean, he – he changed the direction of our program and, and it wasn't him alone. I, I'm not going to deny that how incredibly fortunate I was, you know, early in my career to have that connection with guys like Pearson McAfee, you know, who went to key state and, uh, just, you know, great players like Trevor and, and like I said, just changed the course of, of where we were at. And, um, you know, laying that foundation of, of commitment and hard work and dedication and, uh, we owe so much to those guys um, and and several others. It, it would take too long to name all of them, but um, you know, I, I, but you know, going back to the success that Trevor's group had. I mean, you look at those three years. I think we went 54 and 10, and and just changed the nature of our program. And I, and I know I'm totally indebted to him, and and I feel a close connection to him because as my career was starting, obviously it was when he was coming through. So, um, you know, just look back on that time period with great gratitude. Um, with where I'm at in my career now,
2: well, what's the uh, thoughts on uh, the upcoming Manhattan High basketball team? I know we're just a few months out of last season, which was a a great run your team made through sub state to get to state. Uh, but you have a bunch of juniors turning seniors. What do you think about this upcoming team?
1: Yeah, I appreciate you asking. Um, you know, I think that I think this incoming senior class is going to really uh, internalize everything that happened late last last year with the confidence we built and. And, and the state tournament run and then and then you know I think even getting you know beat in the state tournament I think they're going to internalize that and you know it's it's um it's it's great knowing that we're going to have you know a, a senior class uh coming in that's that I think it's going to set a great foundation here for us for, the, for our young guys in the program and um you know and a, and, a, and a bigger senior class than we've had in the last few years um you know to be led to be a, you know player led and senior led team I think is going to be great and um, I just I really like where our program is. I, I think all of, all of our levels we're deep, we're deep at, and I think there's a bright future for Manhattan basketball right now. And, and I think that that state tournament run last year could really be a spark plug for um, some great things in the future.
2: Well, Coach, again, I greatly appreciate your time coming on the show to talk about Trevor Hudgens. His future is so bright in professional basketball. Really hope it works out for him in the NBA. And, Coach, good luck with your tournament this weekend. And Manhattan football is just a couple of months away, so I'll be seeing you in the press box soon.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it. I appreciate you having me on.
2: Thanks, Mitch. Manhattan High boys basketball coach Benji George here on the game. Let's take a quick break. Number one song of the day next.
0: This is the game on News Radio KMAN.
2: everybody knows this song right from 1986
0: addicted to love Robert Palmer one of a heck of a hot streak that Palmer would get on but just one week at
2: number one singer-songwriter musician record producer from Batley England did not know he was English until today really no idea (laughs) This is the only song I know of
0: his. Oh, now come
2: on. Well, I know he had some hits.
0: Simply Irresistible?
2: Oh, okay. I do now. Okay. That's true. So I know. The, the name Robert Palmer, though, like, he's one of those artists, like, you've heard his songs, but you have no idea who they're by.
0: I mean, am I wrong about that? Yes, but then again, I was in high school but when this is, hit. I would so. say,
2: yeah, I mean. People my age know the songs. (sighs) (laughs) If If Robert Palmer was still alive and was still touring, how how many fans do you think he could draw in Kansas City? Oh, wow! Like I think he could he could fill up like the Midland, but I don't think he'd be big enough for the Sprint or the T-Mobile
0: Center. No, no, not at this point, but. You know, at keeping in mind that in the midst of his run he also was part of Power Station, which you had a Durani involved in that, yep. you and Andy Taylor, you had Palmer. I mean it was a it was a hot group. That was a super group.
2: Uh yeah, he was known for uh, that gritty, soulful voice he combined soul, jazz, rock, pop, reggae, blues. Go on, turn it up. Here we go. I just remember hearing this song at weddings and, like, dances. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good go-to, I suppose, for dances and stuff, but uh, early on. Palmer, unfortunately, did pass away. Sudden heart attack when he was in Paris in a hotel room. September 26th of 2003. He was just 54 years old. Well, if he was around today, he would be, yeah, mid-70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was uh, maybe
0: as a supporting act on a tour he was he was when he hit he was older than what you expected yeah 14 studio albums
2: had 12 top 40 hits his only number one and it's from his eighth studio album called
0: troy that one i don't know riptide oh i should have known it yep so the, the original
2: Idea for this song was Palmer. He wanted this to be a duet with Shaka Khan, Ooh. and they recorded the song. It was going to happen, so imagine that. But there's one issue her label at the time, Warner Brothers, they were not going to allow her voice to be used on the record, so they had to re race it, re record. And they had some background, or um, they had to find somebody else to do the high notes. They didn't find anybody mm-hmm. big or anything. But um, Shaka Khan, though, didn't end up appearing in Steve Winwood's "Higher Love," which beat out his song, as in "Addicted to Love," beat it out for the '87 Record of the Year at the Grammys. Oh wow! How about that? And you mentioned Andy Taylor from Duran Duran. They were together in Power Station. Mm-hmm. Well, Andy Taylor plays lead guitar on this mm-hmm. song. They They're still boys. So, yes. Addicted to Love did become Robert Palmer's signature song, but what made it huge in many people's opinion was the song combined with the music video. The video was huge. Just ask MTV. Oh yeah. How huge it was back in the day. I mean, the video features it's not a whole lot going on, but it features Palmer singing in front of a quote band of beautiful women. Who look a lot alike. They had the same like makeup, the same outfits on, and they're like pretending to play instruments. They had no idea how to play those instruments. They're just kind of moving around, strumming along, or drumming the you know, drum of the drums or whatever. had nothing actually on beat though with the song. <laughs> they just were in the music video. But it became an iconic video of the eighties. It was constantly parodied. As a matter of fact, Pepsi did a parody of that music video with Britney Spears.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: VH1's pop-up video. Remember that show? Yes. I loved it. Yeah, they had some trivia about the video, and it included the fact that the musicians were hired uh, to you know, be b- models and their techniques about their instruments, but they were given an hour before the video to figure out how to play or try to play along with the songs. The person that was working with them at, with the choreography just kind of gave up on him and just said, "Do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm done." <laughs> gave up on him. It. it was frustrating. Huh. The music video ranked number three on VH1's Top 20 Videos of
0: 1980 of the 1980s of the 80s. Yeah. Who would be, what would be better than that? Do you think?
2: I don't have the the poll here. I think
0: you probably have to got have Thriller in there. Um, Probably that as your number one. Number two, there's part of me that wants to say it would be Beat It. Give you're Michael going, Jackson the top two slots. You're going Mike Jack.
2: Back to back. Hmm.
0: Though Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel might be a sneaky one. Let me see if I can find that list real quick.
2: Let's see what was number two and number one. I should have looked this up earlier. Yikes. This is uh, not going well. All right. Oh, here we go. Okay, so, well, this doesn't look right. Oh, that's rock videos. Oh,
4: jeez. <laughs> it is
2: rock. It's videos of the 80s, but they're all rock. I was like, that's not it. I mean, it's like hard rock. Right. Yikes. No, I can't find it but um, yeah, ah, you' probably with it yeah, I can't find in the neighborhood. It I was thinking November rain but that's 91 yeah that was but that was a huge video as well that would probably be considered one of the best videos in the 90s all right now Travion as when DG's oh, not here boom. would you find it yeah okay what what, what you can kill the song by the way
0: I I nailed nailed it Beat It and Thriller? Uh, No, Sledgehammer and Thriller. Okay. Thriller number one, Sledgehammer two. I remember watching the Sledgehammer music video. I was like, you know, it's all right. It's all right. I I know what it was for then, Mm -hmm. which
2: was pretty big. Hadn't hadn't seen anything like it. Yep. Where did AHA's Take On Me land? Yeah, let me dig here.
0: Because that one is also really big. By the way, credit to IMDB. Oh, they have them? Yeah. Oh, that's their own list. No it's their lit they, they put the list on here Oh VH ones uh-huh okay or er, of MTVs yeah beat it wound up being 13 uh let's see here uh aha uh-huh. 21. Oh wow that's a lot lower than I thought it would be. all right so when
2: when Dave G's not here, usually the person that runs the board comes up with or ask us anything questions.
4: are you prepared? I think so I have a f- three questions. okay all right. Um. So my first one. slower that music
2: a little bit. I want to be able to hear you. Right, go right, ahead. right.
4: Uh, the first one I found, I just thought it was interesting because everyone seems to be a music lover here. So, what's the best concert you've ever been to? Ooh.
2: See, I would have to go Elton John, and it was probably this last concert I went to. I saw him back in was it February? It was like January and February, and I knew like we were supposed to get a lot of snow mm-hmm. oh. that night. So I was like questioning on going, but I was like all right, I'm going to do it. So I packed my car with a ton of blankets, a couple of pillows, just in case I if I slid off the road somewhere, at least I got to see Elton John. Right. As For a second time. And that was, it was better than his first. It was phenomenal. I would have to go Elton John. Second would be Motley Crue. Nice.
0: It's tough for me to not have Billy Joel in there. Just because I wanted to see him for so long, at Coors Field no less, beautiful night, one of those situations. But seeing Alan Jackson at the start of a concert as you've got a thunderstorm forming around you was pretty hot. <laughs> hmm. That was that was a very interesting way to get the evening going.
2: There was no thirty-minute delay no. until the nope. Rain or
0: shine. Rain or
2: shine. That would happen these days. I think if lightning's in the vicinity, they, Probably. Well, they postpone. And, and
0: especially in this case where it was delay. outdoor concert. Yeah. Where it was literally at the uh, rodeo arena. Travion?
4: Um, I think the most meaningful to me was Paul McCartney at the in Wichita. Nice. Yeah. See, nice. that's one he's on my list that I have never seen. I saw Elton John that first time he came around in his farewell tour in 2019 I think it was and then I saw Billy Joel at the Kaufman mm-hmm. so, so. Kaufman see, they, Stadium yeah mm-hmm. see
0: they did Kaufman before they got to Coors Field mm-hmm. so. now I, I haven't seen
2: Billy Joel I've seen Elton twice Paul McCartney like I said but I, I know like he's not
4: what he used to be but it's still like it's freaking Beatle man right he, he did my favorite Beatles song and I was like what which is and I love her from the Hard Day's Night soundtrack good call <laughs> What's the worst concert you've been to? I don't think I've been to a terrible one, but one that pops into my mind. I went to the Flyover Festival in KC, which is like a rap festival they have at um, Bonner Springs. And um, Post Malone was headlining. I liked him a lot, but one of the people before him was Lil Pump, and he absolutely sucked. He was not terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I've said before, all well, mine is, it's Motley, or uh, I'm sorry, Iron
2: Maiden. Iron Maiden's the worst oh, really? show I've ever been to. It was not good. Skillet. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Skillet. <laughs> I, I knew you'd recall once yeah, I said it. Right. Yep. So,
4: what's your next question? Uh, my next question is: What is the mo? What is the worst slash most annoying catchphrase? From pro- I was thinking like oh, from boy. a TV show or wow. something.
2: Wow. That Ooh. that's a really tough one because there's not a. I don't think there's a whole lot of catchphrases in TV shows anymore. So I'm trying to think mm-hmm. back of like in the 90s. At the earliest, I really hate Bazinga. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a good one.
0: <laughs> Which comes from a show that's not that funny anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah way too, uh, way too uh, formulaic in mm-hmm. terms of its humor.
2: Uh, Bazinga's a really good one. It's not my
0: least favorite, but I don't. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I, I wish I would have to... known this
4: beforehand. I would have right? come up with
0: a good one. Yeah, that one's going to take a little thinking.
4: Hey, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're, oh. you're too young Fancy. for that. Come on.
0: <laughs> there's so many TV shows to try to
2: think of. I got I, yeah, I'm it. I hate
0: it when I blink
2: it, blank on these things. Put, it, put
0: us on the spot for that one. That one's a tough one. <laughs> did I do that? I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I did it. Guild Family Matters. Yeah. See, there, but there's not really any I can think
2: of that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get annoyed like that. Right. But is a pretty good one. Anything else you got for us? Um, is there a job that you would never do? Yeah, anything with um, any bowel movement stuff. Like, clean up, wiping butts. Like, I don't know how nurses do it. That would be just a terrible job, in my opinion. Yeah, my, I
0: know somebody has to do it, but... My, uh... Abs of not so steel would not take that <laughs> that's about as bad as i can think what what about you
4: um
0: i'm not
4: sure um yeah i don't know i would probably say nursing too um shout to the nurses out absolutely. there they, my mom they, was a, uh worked in a nursing home for 17 years so yeah you
2: want to talk about a job it takes a badass to do yep nurses Shout to the nurses. This show's been dedicated to the nurses out there. Next week is dedicated to the nurses. <laughs> Every show I ever do is going to be dedicated to nurses because you guys are awesome. It's time to balance That's our Friday show for Travion. For Troy, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.